got a job. My name is Brad Griffiths, and I'm a director of sports marketing at Platinum Entertainment. Brad, your work has been featured in Super Bowl commercials. You've worked with some of the largest brands and advertisers in sports, specifically you know, in the NFL and the Olympics, uh, working with major athletes and major brands. And you're in a cool position because you're technically on the buy, what they call the buy side of the business. You help work with these corporations to you know, guide and strategize how they go about working with athletes or working with different leagues and teams, how they spend their money, let's call it. And so it's, a, it's an enviable position to be in. You're, you're, you're not necessarily in the driver's seat, but you're in the car of where the brand is going. You have the ability to really get a good understanding of the landscape and bring that insight back to the brands by your, your ability to interact and gain data from talking to agents and really kind of networking uh, throughout the space. You know, a lot of what you do, though, there's really no playbook. You know, you can read a lot about contracts and contract marketing, but a lot of what you do is not, it's not a, it's not a what you know business and, or a who you know business. It's really, you know, how well you work, who you know, to, to really bring the data together to be effective in your business. And so really excited to talk a little bit about kind of how you go about getting that data and kind of how that's helped you uh, throughout your career. But first and foremost, where are you from? From New York City. Grew up on the Upper West Side, bounced around a few different apartments on the Upper West. You're a former Trevor Day alumni, along with uh, previous guest uh, Mark Rothman. Correct. Different year? Mark was... A little bit older? Two or three years older than me. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So, so far, Trevor Day, two for two. And similar to Mark, our former guest who went to Trevor Day, you had your first job before college. It wasn't an internship. It was actually in high school. Yeah, I started early. That might be a byproduct of city kids, but, you know, 16, 17 years old, I wasn't going to summer camp. I had an opportunity through a neighbor in our building to intern at an advertising agency, and they were doing advertising work for Major League Baseball. I grew up a baseball player. I, I was obsessed with baseball. I knew everything about it, so there was a, an opportunity for me to come in and kind of help be a baseball recruiter. So let's take a step back. You're in high school. How do you even know what an advertising agency is? Guess I didn't really. I knew I knew that you liked baseball. You played baseball in, in high school. Mm -hmm. um, consistent pattern of former athletes now working in in this industry. So you played baseball in high school. When did you realize you weren't going to go pro? Probably right around then. Yeah. <laughs> Thought maybe when, when my fastball wasn't hitting ninety, that's when I knew that it was going to be uh, not not in the cards. So you're in high school. You realize you're not going to be the next Mariano Rivera. You're not going to be the next Derek Jeter. Time to get a job. Have you had any jobs when you were younger, uh, selling lemonade, flipping baseball cards? Yeah, my parents had a catering kitchen in Midtown, and I, I worked the deli counter, so I, I was doing that over the summer. And the deli counter, was that B2B or B2C? Well, we did both, so we were doing lunch for like the Daily Show every day in Sony Music Studios, so I was helping with those orders, but we also had like construction workers and, and uh, you know, car dealers, salesmen coming in and ordering lunch. And how old were you when you started working there? I was like 14 or 15. Your parents had that deli your whole life? No, just a few years. Probably from when I was 12 to 16. You worked there. When did you work there? A few summers. Three summers. Every day in the summer? Mm-hmm. Monday through Friday? Monday you through Friday. How much you get paid? <laughs> Whatever they could give me. <laughs> Whatever the child labor laws allow. <laughs> exactly. And why'd you do it? Needed a job. I mean, I, I like being in the city. I, I did... I didn't like going away from the city in the summer, even though it was hot and gross. I still wanted to be there. 
and I was playing baseball at night. I was, you know, I was playing with a competitive baseball team, so I like to have a job during the day. And then, you know, as 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 the baseball fever kind of kicked in and then kicked out, what uh, what drew you to finally uh, not go back to just the regular nine to fives to get a job in the summer and go look for an internship? I knew I liked to write. And I, and I and I liked reading, and I, I was dead set on being a journalist. I thought I thought my career was I was gonna be the next Rick Riley. So uh, Rick Riley used to have the back page of uh, Sports Illustrated. The Life of Riley. Life of Riley. Yes. So that that's where I thought my destiny was. I love sports and I love writing, so I figured I would try to explore the journalism world. And when I had this internship opportunity, it turned out that I was gonna be writing a lot, even though I was only seventeen. So you're seventeen. Typically, you don't see high schoolers get internships where they're were there, and you said you're, I know you, when we talked earlier, you mentioned you were part of a larger group of interns at this company. I was, yeah. yeah I was and how many of them were in high school? There's one other. So they, they so it was, it was normal for McCann. It was a little, I, I thought it was a little bit weird because I didn't think that high schoolers got how internships. Did, do you remember at, how you found out about the internship? Yeah, my neighbor who lived in my building was a long time ad, ad exec, a real madman, and had been in McCann forever. He knew I loved baseball, Major League Baseball. Was one so I've lived guys. in Manhattan for 15 years. I don't know one neighbor ever 15 years. Now, I know it's different growing up in Manhattan, especially in the earlier days. You get to know your neighbors and buildings where you, where, you, where, you, where you kind of know your people. But how do you get to know your neighbor? He used to what, have what, what if you live in the city now? You're 23 years old. You don't, you know, you know, it's not... It's not Mr. Davis that works at the ad agency. How do you get to know your neighbor? Well, the building was a lot of families, so it was a little bit different than you know someone in their twenties living in uh, you know living in Murray Hill. But my parents used to cater parties for this guy. He would throw elaborate parties in his beautiful apartment, and my parents would cater them. So sometimes I would help out as a you know as a in the catering world, and I got to meet him through that. So when you're helping out in the catering, what were you doing? You're you're, you're managing the staff. Prepping hors d'oeuvres, busting dishes, you know, loading the car, driving the car. All the sexy stuff. All the sexy stuff. And somehow doing the non-sexy work uh, attracted you to someone, you know, uh, of stature. Yeah, we, we got to talk baseball. and hmm, he Baseball. Just, yeah, he just, he somehow got into the conversation about how he dealt with Major League Baseball at work and kind of went from there. So I love hearing that because one of my favorite things about these conversations is the lineage of, of how you got to where you got to today. So I want to pay attention to that as we as we, we talk about the, your career. You put in hard work at your family's business. It wasn't sexy. You gave up the summer camp routine. You wanted to be in the city. You wanted to play baseball, the sport you loved. You realize you're probably not going to be the best baseball player. But your affinity for baseball and your ability to talk to people about it allowed you to warm up to someone who happened to then be able to say, hey, my company has internships. Did you, did you know that? Did you ask him or he suggested that to you one day? He kind of tossed it out to me. I wasn't really familiar with how a 17-year-old breaks into the workforce, so he, he kind of made that available to me. And he put his name on you. You applied for the internship. And you ultimately got an internship at McCann Erickson, which is a massive agency, and working on uh, on, a, on a baseball program. Yeah, so I, I, it wasn't the most formal process, but he told me to show up, you know, first day of summer, 
He knew I loved baseball. Major League Baseball was a main account for them. It was a big time where they were doing a lot of promotion around Barry Bonds breaking the home run record. They had the I Live For This campaign, which they were promoting pretty heavily. And did they pay you? I did get paid, yeah. And why, why did they need you? They're 17 years old. They're McCann Erickson. They're running MLB. Barry Bonds is hitting home runs. Asterisk or not, everyone's tuned in. Shouldn't be that hard. What do they need you for? Turns out they needed me for baseball knowledge. The the people staffed on the account were not particularly passionate about baseball. Yeah, and someone fact-checking baseball stats. So after all that, McCann Erickson is able to actually tap into a 17-year-old, which to your point is very unorthodox, but you got to give them the kudos of realizing that you know that's where the information is and not being scared of where it comes from. I think what we're looking at in our world right now you know, big talk about the Gen Zers, right? right? Millennials, like even talk about millennials, like the millennials are the ones complaining now about the Gen Zers. Um, and, you know, we're excited about what they, they add to the workforce, you know, across the board. And so it's, you know, about, a, you know, kudos to them for embracing what a 17-year-old can bring in to the equation. What did you take away from your experience with McCann that really kind of, you know, helped shape what you thought, what you think you may want to do as you head into your college career? I learned that I really liked the advertising side of it, telling that story, especially from the sports lens. And that McCann was kind of the first tip off of maybe maybe working in sports is something I can do. Um, I also learned that I was I was too young, and I was I, I was I thought I was a lot smarter than I was, and it was kind of a wake up call for me to realize that just because I had this cool internship as a seventeen year old didn't mean that all the chips were going to fall my way immediately. So to, 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 to your first point around, this is fun. I think I could see myself doing this. Now, I always like to relate those moments as, you know, I'm at the batting cages and I'm hitting. And, you know, they, they turn the speed up and I'm hitting. To me, it's almost like, hey, like, this is, a, you know, the working in sports or working in business for me, as I call it, is sports. Like, I can't go play basketball professionally or you know anything any other sports soccer etc uh, and make a living but I still get the same energy and same kind of type of competitive nature um, and fun you know it's it's a uh, it's it's yes it's a, it's, a, it's a living and running a business and you know, sometimes we'll call it blood sport where you and I sit uh, depending on the who's on the other side of those calls but the reality of it is it's the sport of this um, so you know it's interesting to hear you kind of relate it that way um, as someone coming off of realizing they're not going to be a baseball player. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that drew me to it was I liked the idea of being a part of something that I would see out there, whether it was a commercial or a print ad in USA Today. I liked the idea of me contributing to something that millions of people were going to see. That was the first attraction. You, what, did you, what, did you, what did you take away from your experience with McCann? Um, that really kind of you know helped shape what you thought, what you think you may want to do as you head into your college career. I learned that I, I, I learned that I really liked the advertising side of it, telling that story, especially from the sports lens. And that McCann was kind of the first tip off of maybe maybe working in sports is something I can do. Um, I also learned that I was I was too young, and I I, would, I, would, I thought I was a lot smarter than I was. And it was kind of a wake-up call for me to realize that just because I had this cool internship as a 17-year-old didn't mean that all the chips were going to fall my way immediately. So to, 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 to your first point around, this is fun. I think I could see myself doing this. Now, I always like to relate those moments as, um, 
you know, I'm at the batting cages and I'm hitting and, you know, they, they turn the speed up and I'm hitting. Um, to me, it's almost like, hey, like, this is, a, you know, the working in sports or working in business for me, as I call it, is sports. Like, I can't go play basketball professionally or, you know, anything, any other sports, soccer, etc., uh, and make a living, but I still get the same energy, same kind of type of competitive nature, um, and fun. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's a living and running a business. And you know, sometimes we'll call it blood sport where you and I sit, uh, depending on the, who's on the other side of those calls. But the reality of it is it's the sport of this. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to hear you kind of relate it that way. Um, as someone coming off of realizing they're not going to be a baseball player. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that drew me to it was I like the idea of being a part of something that I would see out there, whether it was a commercial or a print ad in USA Today. I like the idea of me contributing to something that millions of people were going to see. That was the first attraction. And just out of curiosity, how did you get to know baseball so well? Watching baseball, collecting cards? Yeah, I mean, I grew up a huge Yankees fan. Um my parents would take me to Yankees games all the time. I would play hooky every opening day, go to Yankees games. And I kind of just fell in love with it. It's all I wanted to do was play baseball. You know, whatever it is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a passion that, yes, it keeps you active, keeps you engaged. But more importantly, um, it's something that you realize, hey, at least got your foot in the door. You're able to leverage it to do what you want to do, which is funny because you don't do too much baseball right now. No. You know, in, in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, to that extent, your first job in sports – through school is actually uh, in football. First internship in college? Yeah. With the New England Patriots? With Gillette Stadium, so for the New England Revolution and the New England Patriots. Where'd you go to college? I went to Boston College. Boston College. And why'd you go to Boston? I loved BC because it was a campus college experience that was accessible to a major city. Did you study sports marketing? Didn't have it. They, they, I was an English major. English major. Nothing to do with contracts, deals, sports, Nothing. facilities, anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went in wanting to be a journalism major, but that was not available either, so English was the next best thing. So you're an English major, and you get an internship with Gillette Stadium. Uh, doing English? I, I was in the stadium operations department. So what is an English major? How does an English major appeal to the stadium operations department? It's a good question. I kind of figured out midway through college that maybe sports writing was not what I wanted to do, but I still wanted to very much work in the sports world. So it was really just a desire to be in Boston for one of the summers in college, and it wasn't. It was a departure from the the writing journalism side, but I, I very much liked the idea of working for it. For a, why do you think they liked you? I think initially they liked me because I did my phone interview in Sydney, Australia when I was abroad and I took the interview at 10 o'clock at night and I interviewed with the guy who eventually hired me. I think right off the bat, I think he liked the fact that I made the time on a Friday night at 10 while my friends were heading to the bar to sit down and talk to him. That, that had to have been the, that had to have been, that had to have been. What made you think that having no experience gives you the opportunity to even have the audacity to apply for it? An English major going for a, a quality control coordinator makes no sense to me. Uh, nor does a quality control coordinator even sound cool. 
No, it doesn't. And so, I think that was kind of the hook. I think they were looking for bodies. Um, they were looking for students to work during the games and not exactly do the sexiest work. So the internship I applied for sounded a lot cooler than it actually ended up being. And why did you apply for it? It wasn't so much the position as it was the opportunity to work for that organization. And I didn't really care what that consisted of. I wanted to get in the door with an organization like that and navigate my way through it. And so just foot in the door in the building, even you're not even in the organization. You're just in the building foot in the door and Hey, I'll figure out where I go from there. Exactly. You're an English major. So you're not even supposed to be there to begin with. Right. All right. Fair, there we go. Fair enough. Work at the Patriots uh, all through all through school for a year through school. I I started the summer after my junior year, and I ended up working like twenty five to thirty hours a week through my senior years of, of school. You're working at Gillette Stadium, which at the end of the day is you know kind of just be cool. Are you, are you in the stadium? I was in the stadium every day. Every day. You go to work. You're driving to Gillette fucking stadium. Walking through the same tunnels that Randy Moss and Tom Brady and. You know, the Patriots were walking through. And you're doing your job or you're running around? Both. I mean, All right, was, good. Yeah. And what's the coolest thing you saw in that stadium when you, when you weren't supposed to be in the stadium? Not during a game. What was the coolest thing you saw in that stadium? The coolest thing I saw, the coolest thing that happened to me was when I was walking through the tunnel to get to the office and the Patriots had just finished a summer workout and Randy Moss was walking through the tunnel and asked, if I had, if my key card could get into the locker room, because he forgot his key card, and I like nervously took my key card over to the locker room, thinking that somehow my intern access would get him into the locker room, and it didn't, <laughs> and so I had to disappoint Randy Moss, and just seeing him and him thinking that I was potentially able to get him in the locker room was cool enough for me. That's kind of cool. It's like, hey, I look legit to Randy yeah, Moss. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Very cool. And so when you, you worked you worked there for almost a year, you know, what what was what was it what, what was it like trying to develop relationships, you know, really kind of being a student intern? It was really tough because I was part of eight other interns and we all had the same role. And it was really hard to kind of stand out and deliver what we were doing with excellence. But this is the second time you're working with a group of it, it was interesting meeting a student intern because I was, I was with a group of other students and we were all doing the same job during games. Um, and the work was not what I expected it to be. We were essentially assigned as secret shoppers. So we would go around the stadium during games and buy certain food items and go into the bathrooms and talk to security guards. And we were essentially reporting what we got back from, you know, it was the, was the food warm? Was the bathroom clean? How long did it take for me to get my soda? And we were coming back after the game and inputting all this data. So it was hard for me to just kind of stand out as, a, as an intern. Right, what are you going to tell them? The ice is colder than the next guys? Yeah, exactly. We're all putting in the same data. I guess the only thing that really stood out was I was getting there earlier. I was leaving later and I was, you know. And that stood out? think so. It must have. To anyone specifically? Uh, I would say that the supervisor of that program was a guy named Scott Mayo, who became my boss and eventually gave me an opportunity to be more of an in-office intern rather than a game day intern. So he must have saw something in me. And getting to know Scott over those over those the, the time in the office, um, you were still a student intern. Um, how did that prepare you for you know life after college? 
I think first and foremost, it made me realize that I preferred being in the workplace to being in the classroom. What about being at the game versus the office? Yeah, I liked I liked the I liked the idea of working during games, and I liked that component to it. It made it made the office work seem a little bit more worth it. You know, for me, it's tough because I always look at young people that want to work in sports, and they're like, "I want to work for the Yankees. I want to work for the NBA. I want to work for the the Nets. I want to work for MSG, or I want to work for any of these teams." I say, "You got to go to every single game." Yeah. So it's not that I wouldn't love to go see the Yankees play, but eighty-one home games. You know, you're you're you know, there's something to be said about that pedigree of hard work and dedication, and I think it breeds a lot of character. You got to be ready for that. You know, I think especially when it's fun. If you work for the Rangers and they're going to the Stanley Cup, it's one of the most incredible experiences to be a part of. You know, so you know, kind of you know, when you think about like what what you wanted to learn. You know, what are you, what are you good at? What, what don't you want to do? You learned that you love this business. You learned that you can actually make a career out of it. You learned that it didn't matter you were an English major. And you learned that you really kind of had to hustle your way into the door. Didn't matter how. So that gets you a lot of learnings. You didn't learn shit about the sports industry. But you had MLB work and now the New England Patriots on your resume. You've developed a good internal relationship with someone that's helping you navigate a little bit internally um, at the Patriots, um, and now you graduate college? Graduate college. And what job did you have? I had zero jobs. So was, what do you do? I was expecting the Patriots to offer me a full-time job. They didn't. You graduated in May? Graduated in May of 2008. And the Patriots didn't offer you a job? Didn't offer me Why do you think they were going to offer you a job? Scott took another job when I was still interning with him. At the NBA? At, at, he took a job at the NBA, and I figured that was an opportunity for me to come in and serve as a backfill for his role. So I figured the Patriots might have an interest in bringing me on full-time to help backfill what Scott was doing. And ultimately, they, they how did that conversation come to light that they weren't going to? They told me that they were getting rid of the position entirely. And you expected them to actually be promoting you, not firing you. Correct. So when they, well, they, offered me, they offered to keep me as an intern in a different department through the summer. But I was dead bent on, I'm graduated, I need full-time employment. And so, did you get a job? You graduated in May. When did you get? Did you get a When did you get a job? Moved back home to New York. Um, lived with your parents. Lived with my parents. Deli still open? Deli's not open anymore. So no deli for you to go work at. Nope. Okay. So what did you have to do every day? I was looking at the New York Times class. So the hustle begins. The hustle begins. The hustle begins. May two thousand eight. The hustle begins. You thought you got your job. You had to, your whole world pulled out from under you. You're gonna live in Boston. Yeah. You probably knew where you're gonna live. Yeah. You did. You had a car probably picked out too, didn't you? Yep. If I had a salary in mind, benefits, the whole thing. 100%. You're going to have a business card with the Gillette and Pat's. You're going to go to games. Your card would work for Randy Moss. You had the whole shebangle planned out. Yep. And then they cut you. And I was in tears. And I remember calling so they, they, they So they don't give you the job. You say, well, I'm not hanging around. Peace out. I'm going home. I don't even have a deli to work in. I'm going to go sit in the summer in the Upper West Side. No, we moved to Jersey. So Jersey. I was, I was oh, she's not even in the city anymore. Not in the city anymore. So you're home now. What? I started looking at jobs. I found I was literally going on the New York Times classified sites. So New York Times websites and paper and newspaper. Yeah. Got it. See that Sunday Times? You open that up, jobs. You pray for highlighting. God. Highlighting, like that highlighter was going to change what the job was. Correct. I remember those days. You'd have a whiteboard, did you? No, I had the whiteboard. Um. And what'd you find? The NFL? 
I did not find the NFL. I found a mysterious job listing in the New York Times paper, the actual hard paper. And I remember the listing was work in sports, 50K a year starting salary, call this number. And I told my mom, I got to call this number as fast as I can. And how much were you making at Gillette Stadium? 10 an hour, maybe. All right. So you go 10 an hour to 50 grand. You tell your mom, you call up, what happens? I tell her that I found this job online. And she said, that's great. I called them immediately. So I called them. I get a job interview on the first call. I go in for an, for an too interview. Too good to be true yet or no? It was still too good to be true. I got an interview in person two days later. Showed up in my suit, 35th and 8th. They offered me the job on the spot. A week later, I signed an apartment with my buddy in Hoboken, New Jersey. I'm making $50,000 a year. They gave you a salary of $50,000 to do what? Sell. Sell what? Ad space in college publications. Yearbooks, game day guides, school directories. And and this is, now you have no sales experience. None. You're not really working in sports. Nope. You're selling yearbooks. But they told me I was. They told you you were, but they're giving you a salary of fifty grand. That wasn't like a draw versus commission. No, that was a straight fifty thousand. Fifty thousand dollars salary, and you're and, and why'd you take it? Because that's an unheard of salary to be offered a twenty two year old who wants to work in sports, and I needed a job. So what did you do? So I got the apartment in Hoboken, and I started working at this job. What did the job entail? Your first, uh, how long did you work there? I ended up there four months. Four months. What did you learn there? I learned that that type of inside sales is a brutal, brutal world. And why did they fire you? I wasn't, I wasn't picking up the training. They, they, came, they, they brought in seven or eight kids with me as part of my group. They trained me for the first week. They told me all of, all of the, the, they told me my script. They told me all my rebuttals. Everything I, I I literally had to stick to a script. So you went through sales training, hardcore sales training, and you just couldn't you just didn't apply well to what they were selling. That and I didn't love it, and it's I not was, who you were. I was getting scared and nervous on the phone, and I wasn't getting great leads either. So I was selling, you know, it was it was a boiler room. I was selling, I was selling soft leads, and I wasn't speaking on the phone with confidence and conviction. So that's four months in. They fire you. You know, where, where do you where do you turn to? Unemployment. Unemployment. My favorite thing in the world. Four hundred and twenty something a week. Yep. For doing nothing. Yeah. You fill out four or five questions at the every Sunday night. You get your check, and uh, you get drunk. Basically, yeah. I was I was I was on the hook for a, I think it was twelve hundred dollars a month apartment in Hoboken with my college buddy. I was on a lease. I couldn't. I couldn't break it. So I was. I was using that four hundred and twenty a week to to cobble to cobble together rent and living expenses. How else did you uh, did you do any other odd jobs to get money at that time? Yeah, I was catering for my parents here and there, doing whatever you could just to pick yeah, up the check. Parties, yeah. And then when did when did the opportunity at the NBA come along? About three months later, Scott. I'd been. I'd kept a dialogue with Scott, my old boss. And I told him how miserable I was and how eager I was to try to prove my worth at a company that he had a relationship with. 
and he was so great about you know being available to me when I wanted to talk. But I'd say about three months later, he came to me with an opportunity to apply for a contract position at the NBA. Contract, so not long term. How 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 short was Five it? Five month position. Doing what? Working in the events group in New Jersey to uh, help plan the programs around All Star Weekend in Phoenix. You're in the mix. Are you, did you get to go to the All Star Weekend? I did. So boom, you're in. So five month job. You got a gun to your head again. It's like a reprieve, right? Exactly. Got you out of jail, but it's only five months. No promises that after All Star Weekend you were going to get a job, right? No, and I was with one other kid who was in a similar role, so we were pressed against each other. And you were pretty. Uh, you were you were, you were in this situation before. Yeah. With different expectations. It was familiar territory. So how did you manage your expectations differently this time? I just couldn't have made it more known to the people that I was working under that I was invested in working in the National Basketball Association for a long term. And now we're in March, uh, April of uh, 2009? Yep. How long were you unemployed for? Three months prior to the NBA, one month after. So after uh, the one month, what came along? I found a job listing on Teamwork Online for a trainee program at an agency called Velocity Sports Entertainment. What's Teamwork Online? Teamwork Online was a still is a website that lists uh, job openings for leagues, teams, governing bodies, agencies. So just job, so uh, similar to uh, like entertainmentcareers.net. It's a exactly. little bit more niche. Correct. Got it. And so you find an opportunity to work for Velocity. Uh, you apply online. Apply online. Did you have any relationships at the company? No. So you got and they called you back. Luckily, they called me back. And with, with uh, just completely unsolicited, took a shot. Well, I think what probably stood out was I found out later that Velocity had several former NBA employees working there, and I think the fact that I had the NBA on my resume was was the the deal breaker. So even though you did All Star Game coordination, staffing, procurement, the NBA logo helped you. The Gillette Stadium might have helped back that up too. That it wasn't a one time fluke. Correct. Still doing nothing to do with what you do today. Correct. You go through the interview process. How did you get the job? The hiring manager that was responsible for my role knew my boss at the NBA. So no doubt she called her and got a referral on that end. But I think, I mean, I I had a good interview. I good got, interview. I with my and the referral stood out. Referral stood out. And over the years at Epic, you really, you know, grew your your your, your professional self into uh, your, your mid twenties. Yeah, and got to go from just uh, different levels of associate working on on multiple accounts at a very high level. And you know, that's I think kind of where you came across our desk at, at Platinum Rye. We were looking to continue to expand the team. I think the folks uh, that were working on it at the time, Zach and Greg, had built it out. To a point where they needed, you know, people that can come in and not just manage an account from top to bottom, but also, you know, really get to know the talent side with the agents and and go there. I remember when you and I spoke, you had a limited amount of experience doing talent deals, but you really had a tremendous amount of understanding the client service, project management, and just the overall sports landscape. And so there was a, a question for me of I think you're going to add a lot of value to our team. You know how you know. I think the the, the talent negotiation, getting to know the agents and the right people, that just takes some time. And I reached out to some people that 
referred you to us and just kind of double checked on that of, hey, you know, I don't want to dive into Brad with every single deal, but you know him well, you know our job, you know our world, this is something he can do. And, you know, you got a glowing recommendation from people that also had referred people like Zach and even, you know, Greg to us in some extent. So that meant everything to us. And I think, you know, from there, I didn't really need to hear much more about you as I got to know you, you were very hungry. I remember you being very transparent about financially what you wanted to earn. And I remember you even broke down for me how you calculated that, what that meant in the industry, what you're basing your cost of living on even, just to give me some pure understanding of you're not just basing it off the industry, but also what you need to be effective. I think there's a big difference, right? And you know, maybe you could shed some light on this, but the difference between asking for a salary of what you think you deserve based on what you, you may or may not understand about other people's jobs in the industry um, versus breaking down to a company, hey, here's what I need to be effective. And that's just not like, this is what I need to be afford to live, but this is how I need to afford to live so I can come here and kill it for you every day. Correct. And I remember having that conversation with you. You kind of broke that down for me. You wanted a little bit more money. And, and you said, look, this is kind of what I need to, to operate. And uh, you know, it was, it was just very interesting. Well, I was coming, I was living in Connecticut, and I was dead set on getting back to the city, and... So you moved to Connecticut for Team Epic? I moved to Connecticut and lived there for three and a half years, solely for that job. And that took you out of your comfort zone here? How'd you, uh, where, where did you live in Connecticut? For seven months, I lived with my grandparents. They had a, a house that was 20 minutes from the office, and then after that, I lived with a few friends in a what you basically consider a frat house. How old were you living with your grandparents? 24. Reminds me of a movie, Grandma's Boy. What was your social life like living with your grandparents? Limited. I had no cell phone service. The internet was shoddy. I had friends calling me on their home landline. But it was a job. It was a job, and I was, I was getting back to the city on the weekend whenever I could to see my friends. And so we offer you an opportunity, um, and I remember you had to not really talk to me much further. You had sold, I think, the, the greater team, you had great referrals, but you had to go meet our bosses, Ryan and David, which is kind of like the final stage of the video game, right? Like it's like the end of Contra or, you know, the, 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 the last, uh, last, last like battle guys in Final Fight. It's like the two, right? You can almost see that video game season where like first, first Ryan or David come out and you got to sell them. Do you remember anything about your, your experience throughout that interview process to the job you've been in now for you know, almost six years? Yeah, I do. I remember it vividly because I, I always tried to do homework on all of the companies that I applied for. I would, I would Google them. I would go on their website. I would try to draw up pertinent examples of their work so I could sound smart. And that was challenging with Latin Rye because the online presence of the, of the company was non-existent. The only thing I was really able to drum up was some, some PR press clippings on Ryan Shimon, on the, on the CEO. So from there, I was able to kind of glean a little bit about him, but I didn't know what the company was, and I didn't even know that industry really existed. So I kind of went in blind. To, to use your video game analogy, it kind of felt like a mystery level. Um, so when I, when I came in to meet you and, and, and interview, it, 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 all, it was kind of sensory overload. Meeting Ryan, seeing his office, the, that whole culture... I want to mention sweet tea. <laughs> yeah, sweet tea we could uh, we could mention and leave out. But yes, absolutely. Coming to uh, Platinum Rise, um, you know, 23rd Street office in the old Mark Echo space. You had Mark Echo's basketball court slash 
kitchen slash two-story office in there along with their five floors of echo i remember the long red carpet that it felt like it extended for a mile all it was the from the movie off. big yeah yeah if you go in the movie big you see them playing down it i remember walking in ryan's office and thinking it was something out of scarface yeah ryan had the big uh, i remember he had 50 cents furniture behind him and then he had you know that big money love silence poster yeah that office was uh it was, it was very scarface-esque uh, in fact i think he had the scarface poster very fun. Um, and so, you know, I think overall, you know, the, the one thing that I keep kind of seeing the nice consistency of is, you know, just the referral, you know, the referral of the right people from, from, from you to Platinum Ryan, um, or even from the people in Platinum Ryan internally to sell you through early on to get your job to the way that you actually, you know, you know, not just found Epic, but were able to leverage your, your, your relationship to build it later on and so forth and so forth with your relationship with Scott and the NBA and, and, and all the way down through to get your referral. You know, what's, what, what, what are some of those things I look for? If I call you right now and say, for our company at Cogent, you know, we're hiring, you know, you know, what, what, what are those attributes that, uh, you know, make you actually want to speak up for someone? I think first and foremost, it's a genuine interest in the landscape. And so, so, so pause right there. And, and I think this is where, where I think we want to really focus on is you say a genuine interest in the landscape. Earlier when you and I were talking offline, you mentioned that you like working with young people. You like working with people that are dedicated and focused on, you know, trying to make it in this career. If I'm someone young, I'm listening to this. I want to reach out to you, which I'm not encouraging people go on your LinkedIn and do. But if I wanted to, you know, and, 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 I, and I see you're connected to someone on LinkedIn and you actually know them. I'm like probably me where I know maybe 20% of my LinkedIn connects. But I say, hey, I'm applying for a job with, with Mark Zablo. I'd love to get to know you to, to get, you know, maybe a referral from you. You know, what, what's the one thing or two things or what, 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 is it, what is it you're looking for from those people? Not just to refer them once. But to be in their, 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 their world and help refer them again and again. That they did their homework. That they, they went online and they talked to anyone they could to see who Mark Zavlo is and who Kojin is. And if they don't have those answers, who can they call or email and try to ask questions? So doing their homework, who Kojin is, why they think they can actually help and add value to them and not just, I saw they're the best place to work and I want summer Fridays too or not, no vacation days or something like that. Right. But actually where they can add value. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I think what you want back from them is the referral. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's where uh, you know that's where I think uh, you know you've been very powerful in your career. I think uh, over the time now it's fun to call you to say, "Hey, I need an introduction. Can you can you help me out?" Mhm. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.